0: Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's lady of supernatural thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real Ghost Chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law, and Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death, until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Marianne will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode.
1: I'm Mary Ann Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host on Real Ghost Chatter. If you are enjoying Raven's Cove and would like a signed copy, you can purchase it or any of the other books in the Iconoclast series at www.maryannpoll.com. Here's the next few chapters from Raven's Cove. If you were at home grab your favorite drink and settle into your favorite listening spot if you were on the road stay safe in either event enjoy chapter 22 the attack you must go now katrina and kenneth go now cat and ken heard josiah as plain as if he were in the room with them not closed in behind the door leading to his tiny cell they both jumped up and ran back to the cell josiah was holding onto the bars with white knuckles go where to the sheriff's house he's in danger go now neither of them questioned josiah they knew bart was late they rushed from the jail cat leading the way up the street to a house kitty corner from pastor lucas's residence the lights were on the door was shut cat jogged up the old wooden steps on the narrow wood planked cupboard deck long ago painted gray she slipped on something and started falling before she could even think to be scared, her head was going for a hard, concussion-producing hit. She felt her arm yank upward right before her skull met the wood. Ouch! She was sure her arm was dislocated. Ken grabbed her and pulled her forward against him, somehow managing to get in front of her and the slick, purple-black, sulfur-smelling liquid oozing from the welcome mat at the door. He held her close. Cat led him. She smelled like vanilla and musk. The combination was heady. For a moment, Ken forgot where they were. In this moment only she existed he fought for focus he pulled back and looked down at the ooze standing atop the mat and his mood changed this looks like the stuff i saw coming from miggy salisto's eyes he grabbed latex gloves from his jacket pocket along with a cotton tipped swab and a jar Kat couldn't believe what she saw talk about prepared what else you got in your jacket an autopsy kit bet you were a boy scout huh Ken crouched over the pungent gel. He looked up, Eagle Scout. Well, that answers that. Kat watched as he went to work on the goo. She wouldn't have gone near with a 10-foot pole, as her grandmother was fond of saying. She knocked on Bart's door, then tried the handle. The door was unlocked, but it wouldn't budge. Bart, Bart! Kat's voice rose in alarm. Ken stood and tried the door. The door's jammed. Is there another way in? Back door, Kat started running. Ken overtook her. If Bart was injured, or worse, dead, he wanted to get there before Cat did. He made it to the door, opened it, and entered. What he saw sent a cold chill up his spine. Bart stared down the barrel of a 357 Magnum, seemingly transfixed by it. Ken heard him muttering eerily, Loser. Always was. Always am. Always will be. Loser. Over and over again, the hair on Ken's arms rose to attention. Bart, Ken whispered, taking a step forward. Kat slid in behind Ken, stopped just short of knocking him forward, and then looked to the right of Ken's bulk. Her cousin, her beloved macho cousin, sat in a heap on the floor, staring at a gun. Kat gasped, a sob escaping her. She retreated behind Ken, leaned on him, and tried to gather her thoughts. What do we do, she whispered to Ken's back. Ken reached behind and gently touched her right arm. Just breathe. We'll get through this, Cat. Cat relaxed in response to his touch and words. A loud knock on the door jarred her back to defense mode. The noise didn't faze Bart. If he had jumped, Ken thought, it would have been the end. Go find out who's at the door, Cat. She wanted to protest but thought better of it. She slipped out of the back, around the side of the house, and looked over the deck banister. Pastor Lucas? Paul turned to her voice. What are you doing here? If you need the sheriff, I'll get him to you as soon as I can. He's not feeling well at the moment. I believe the sheriff needs me, Miss Topslosky. I don't understand what you mean, Pastor. I know you don't agree with my beliefs, but right now, all I can tell you is I was on my way to bed when I felt an overwhelming urge to come here. Bart is in imminent danger, isn't he? As I said, he isn't feeling very well. Miss Topslosky, you know it's more, and so do I. Bart is under spiritual oppression, if not in possession. He is going to kill himself if we don't help him. Cat stared at Paul. What is going on in this town? People know things they shouldn't. It's like the whole place is bugged, and the information is getting to you and Josiah Williams, two of the most—sorry, Pastor—unbelievable, if not just plain fanatical people in Ravens Cove. No offense, Tank and Cat. In answer to your question, God, God is working here. Cat searched Paul's face. Seeing only earnestness in his eyes, she motioned Paul to the back of the house. Come with me. Has the sticky stuff on the porch been there long? He asked. No, Paul nodded. I've seen this liquid and its source in a vision. We are up against great evil. He removed his Bible from his coat and began praying. The battle has begun, Jesus. I trust in the armor of God to surround us. Amen. Kat shook her head and led Paul into the house through the back door. Ken stood right where Kat left him. He's not aware of us, he said as Kat tiptoed up beside him. Tears filled Kat's eyes to see her tough, strong protector in this unrecognizable lump on the floor. Pastor Lucas walked up beside Kat. Peace to this house, he said in a firm voice. Bart stopped muttering but continued to examine the barrel of his .357. The three of them created a human wall filling the large open doorway leading from Bart's kitchen to his living room. Ken shot a questioning look at the new arrival. He knew he should be surprised, but there had been so many strange events in the last two days, he didn't give Lucas's appearance more than a second thought. Pastor Lucas opened a well-worn, leather-bound Bible and began to read. Ken gave a resigned shrug. Can't hurt, he whispered. Paul closed the Bible with a snap. He straightened, resolute in a decision, and walked forward. Ken wanted to tackle the pastor, safety being his main concern. But he knew the situation could go from bad to worse if he did he stood helpless and watched paul stride over to bart bartholomew anderson look at me bart sat motionless in the name of jesus bartholomew look at me bart raised hollow unseeing eyes in the direction of the voice paul noticed a red stain on bart's flannel shirt sleeve the stain was enlarging at an alarming rate do you want help bartholomew do you want me to help you bart's eyes focused for a moment He nodded, then the glaze returned. Paul motioned Ken and Kat forward. They didn't move. Come here. We must do this in agreement. If any of us is unwilling to call upon God to help Bart, we will fail. Ken watched Bart's grip loosen on the gun. He took a chance and lunged forward, pushing Bart's hand up with one arm and grabbing for the gun with the other. Bart retightened his grip. Paul cried out, Jesus, in your name, help Ken. Ken felt a surge of strength. He pulled upward again. Bart's grip loosened, but not before his finger found the trigger. Ken pushed the gun toward the wall as it fired, just missing Ken's face and grazing Bart's. The gun bounced once before it skidded to a halt half beneath Bart's old brown couch. Too close for comfort, Ken said, voice shaking, adrenaline and strength beyond Ken's understanding still coursing through him. Kat ran over and grabbed the gun. She tucked it behind her back. Kat returned to Ken's side, truly relaxing for the first time since arriving. She looked at Bart's arm, the blood turning a nasty brown, the arm swelling. We have to get him to the hospital. Paul shook his head. A hospital won't help us unless we first deal with his soul. We must pray to bring him back. He might resist, but we must lay hands on him. Are you too willing to do it? Kat answered, Not to be disrespectful, but to be honest, Pastor. I'm uneasy with this holy roller stuff. Graham tried to get me into it at a young age. I gave it a shot, but didn't really feel anything. I ended up believing the dancing in the aisles, laying on of hands, and speaking in tongues to be a result of group hysteria. Group conscience can be powerful. And now you're asking me to do something I think is fake. I'm asking you to take a leap of faith, Paul said. I'm not sure what's going on in this crazy town with its weird happenings, Ken said, but I'm willing to give it a shot. He put his hand on Bart. Bart didn't move. Cat looked at Bart and whispered, I'd do anything for you, you big lout. She laid her right hand on Bart's head. Paul followed suit, putting one hand on Bart's head and the other over the oozing wound. In the name of Jesus, Bartholomew Anderson, who attacked you? Corpse lights, he whispered. His eyes flew open in remembrance of something horrible. Paul looked at Cat and Ken for an explanation. Ken shrugged. The light of recognition dawned in Cat's eyes. Another legend for Pete's sake to the ever end look what superstition did to you cuz then again the psychology of the human mind is complex I'll play along corpse light is an ethereal ball ghost as some might say in the story it is described as a lost or wandering soul denied entry into both heaven and hell it wanders the night and tries to lure people to their destruction I have no idea why he made it plural and I have no idea why it came out of his mouth Kat's eyes fell to her beloved cousin. She fought back the tears threatening to fall since seeing Bart moments before. Who did you see, Bart? Who did this to you? Was it those stupid twins? They'll wish they'd never been born, she thought. As if reading her mind and feelings, Paul put a hand over hers. Kat calmed and focused. Paul moved close to Bart. Bart, you have been attacked. You were attacked by a force which is not physical. Bart nodded in agreement. Bart, you are not crazy. Jesus is here to work through us to bring you back. The name of Jesus brought a sudden flicker to Bart's empty eyes. Paul took his hand off Cat's and placed it back on Bart's head. He closed his eyes and bent his head. Cat and Ken did the same. Spirit, what is your name? In the name of Jesus, I command you answer. Bart lifted his head in defiance but stayed silent. Paul stared into Bart's empty, black irises again i command you in the name of jesus to answer an eerie malicious grin covered bart's face he tried to struggle but couldn't move the wound spurted tar-colored fluid bart's mouth opened but a foreign high screech of a voice came from his lips what does a name matter your name trepiner it sneered stupid man i am trepiner the words gurgled through bart's clenched teeth he spat at paul be still now paul commanded a deep growl answered him enough the lord jesus christ rebuke you Trepaner. come out of this man in jesus name an ebony mist smelling of rotted flesh and excrement rose from bart's chest cat inched backward stand your ground paul told her cat willed herself to move forward again what kind of sickness does he have ken whispered it is no sickness of man that is a demon, Paul answered, then focused on Trepaner. Be gone. Go back to your master and tell him the battle is lost. Jesus will not allow him to take this man or this town. We'll see, stupid mortal, we'll see. This is my master's domain. It is not yours. This earth was given to man, not to you and your master. God has written it, and so it is true. Be gone. Trepener screeched and rocketed upward out through the roof and back to the ravine. Unable to rebel against the command of this man of God, he said to Iconoclast, the man of God says you will lose. Iconoclast's roar could be heard from the center of the earth to the heavens. He gathered Trepiner in his paw, rolled the black mist into a ball and threw him through the earth's crust into the spirit world of hell. How dare this stupid messenger of the Holy One threaten me. I will destroy him and all he loves first. Iconoclast turned his back to his captains to hide the worry etched in his brow. Though he wouldn't admit it to his underlings, Iconoclast realized he was up against more than he'd thought. For a moment, he felt a little bit of the fear he caused so many over the centuries. Bart's eyes focused on Cat, then Ken, and Paul. What are you doing here? he growled. He looked around and saw where he was. What am I doing on the floor? Cat smiled, relief pouring over her like a wave. "'Wipe the grin off your face, kitty cat,' Bart said. "'You're a big bonehead, Bartholomew Nelson Anderson,' she grinned wider. Bart's expression said it all. "'I'll let you get away with using my middle name this once. "'I feel kind of puny.' "'We need to get you to the hospital,' Kat answered. "'Why? I don't feel that bad.' "'Your arm is injured, Bart. Do you remember how it happened?' she asked. Bart glanced at his arm and saw the stain on the flannel sleeve. Puzzled, Bart said, "'For the life of me, I don't know how I got this grease on my shirt.' Your arm, Bart, look at your arm. Bart rolled up the sleeve. This does not look like a hospital issue. Don't you think you're overreacting? Kat followed Bart's eyes. She cocked her head to the left and squinted, afraid of what horrible injury lay beneath the fabric. Her eyes popped open. She saw red streaks outlining a dark purple oval. As Kat watched, the purple and red started to disappear. What the, your wound was much more serious. I know it was. You need sleep, kitty cat, or maybe glasses, Bart said. I'm not the one on the floor in a heap, she quipped. Can you tell us what happened, asked Ken. Bart thought, his mood darkened. A look of fear flickered across his features. Suffice it to say, those northern twins are going to see a jail cell and soon. Bart stood, a bit unsteady but regaining his strength with each breath. Well, we need to see if you can arrest those twins or if they are beyond your help at this point, Ken said. They have to be around, at least one of them was here, looking ghastly, but here, after I arrest them, I'll have a word with our prime suspect. He can tell us who his accomplice is. I want this finished once and for all, Bart stormed out. Cat watched him disappear into the night. He shouldn't be alone. She dashed after him. Kin said, I'm not leaving her alone, coming, Lucas. Lead the way. They caught up with Cat and headed for the northern place. Chapter 23 A Secret Weapon The twins' house was vacant lights were on and the door unlocked as was the custom of ravens cove not here but i'll find them you bet i'll find them bart stomped down the street in search of his quarry why don't we go to the top of the ravine just to humor me ken asked bart stopped fine he made a quick left turn power walking up main street to the path skirting the ravine and the river ending at the inlet he turned cat i don't want you to come with us just in case and pastor lucas i don't want you to come either paul stood his ground with all due respect, Sheriff, I know you don't believe you were possessed, but you were. And for what I understand is happening here, you need more than guns to fight this adversary. You need God and you need prayer, my specialty. So think of me as your secret weapon. He helped us a lot with you, Bart. You can't deny it, Ken said. I don't want to let anyone else get hurt, murdered for that matter. So if you want the pastor to come along, and if anything happens to him, it's on you. Bart turned. Cat, I'm walking you to Grandma's house now. We go together, Ken answered. Kat took a step forward and then stopped. Don't get me wrong, guys. I'm grateful for the escort, but I'm finding it hard to make much progress because the two of you, she pointed to Bart, then Ken, are holding my arms, and Pastor Paul is walking on my heels. Stop complaining, Bart answered. Kat sighed and started off again, feeling like a toddler with mom and dad protecting her against a fall. She motioned to Grandma Brickens' house with her right hand. We're here. Let me go. Ken, Bart, and Paul watched her walk inside and waited until they heard the door lock click. They headed to the ravine. Cat leaned on the door. Both palms extended against it. Kat leaned on the door. Both palms extended against it. I've never felt so suffocated by good intentions in my life. When she heard their footsteps and voices fading... Cat pushed herself off the door, went into the kitchen, sat at the comforting table, and began to pour out the evening's events to Grandma Brickin. All three men, almost up the hill to the hag tree, heard Trepanier's scream, a death scream. Moose lost to a wolf, I'm sure, Bart said, not instilling any confidence in himself or the others. They continued up the rise. It was a moonless night. The cloud cover ensured it. Bart took the lead. He yelled when his foot hit a large substance and tripped. Paul caught him before he went face down into the ravine. Thank you. Paul reached into his pocket. The jingle of keys preceded the flash of a small penlight which illuminated a foot. Everything went dark again when the key ring plopped to the ground. A bigger light replaced it. Bart scanned the flashlight up and down the obstacle he stumbled over. I guess I won't be arresting the Northern Twins after all. The two lay face to face, grinning into each other's purple and black eye sockets. In this light, they looked to be one body with two faces. Paul pointed to their eyes. It's the same junk I saw on your front porch. Bart ignored him, went for his gun, and came up empty-handed. Ken took the cue and pulled his. Bart shone the light all around the ravine, the dark swallowing anything beyond a few feet away. They listened, no footsteps. In fact, nothing was moving, not even the trees. The guy couldn't have gone far, Ken said. It's not a guy, Paul commented. You think it was a woman? Bart asked. I mean, whatever did this wasn't human. Okay, that's it. Pastor Paul, I believe you have done all you can do here. Why don't you go home?" A low, bone-chilling growl rose from the ravine. Yes, leave, man of God. You could do nothing here. Ken and Bart shivered from the sudden drop in temperature. On second thought, maybe you'd better stay, Bart said. You remember what happened, don't you, Sheriff? Bart nodded, the memories rushing back like a bad dream relived. I had a nervous breakdown. No, you were possessed. Yeah, right. Who came to see you tonight? Richard Pantino, a suicide victim. Ken snapped his head around to Bart. He opened his mouth to encourage Bart to go home and rest. He shut it again. Bart watched Ken's response. Told you, nervous break. My first thought. But since I can't explain why you were a babbling lump on the floor one minute and fine the next, and since I can find no logical explanation, for a badly bleeding wound, which didn't exist, or for the stinky, black mist, which rose out of you right after we prayed over you, I'm going to keep an open mind. Who is, was Richard Pantino. Bart dropped his head and studied his feet. He looked at Ken. His family was my first big case after becoming sheriff. Pantino, or my hallucination of Pantino, rocketed me back in time. Richard called to report his wife Dana and children missing. I spent every day searching for clues to locate the family. Two weeks later, all three of them were found in shallow graves ten miles south of Raven's Cove. The children had been assaulted, the mother too. Pantino hated the sight of me, and who could blame him? He tried to get me fired. When it didn't work, he took every opportunity to remind me of the deaths. A year later, Richard blew his head off with a sawed-off shotgun. We can't win them all, you know, Ken said, his tone empathetic, not judgmental. I tell myself I'm not at fault. Never could convince myself, though. Anyway, the thing bit me. Felt like a spider bite, but a hundred times more painful. Then I blacked out until I saw you three looking down on me. Paul nodded in understanding. Ken's eyes were white as frisbees, still wondering if his fellow officer had a mini breakdown. Paul spoke. We are in for a battle, gentlemen. Our town is under siege, Sheriff, but not by humans. This is spiritual warfare. I was wrong to doubt josiah williams we need to talk to him he knows much about this thing i believe god sent him here to help us he's a suspect did he come out of his cell and murder these twins all by his lonesome ken asked not helping melbourne bart answered look as crazy as it sounds this spiritual warfare thing is beginning to have some credence the facts aren't adding up Unless we factor in, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the supernatural. All I witnessed with you tonight, not to mention the weird voice coming from the ravine, are giving this case a creepy, unearthly feel. Maybe in the light of day, I'll think myself foolish. Standing here in this eerie silence, I'm leaning toward Pastor Paul's explanation. Okay, let's say your theory is correct. What's next? Bart asked Ken. Haven't a clue, Ken answered. Maybe Josiah Williams has some answers, Paul said. He started down the trail and stopped. Where's the light coming from? Ken and Bart turned toward Raven's Cove. Smoke drifted above the lights of the town. Something's on fire, Bart said. He sprinted toward the town while punching numbers on his cell phone to alert the volunteer fire chief. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, Go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash mary-ann-poll. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.